We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Before we begin today's discussion, here is some genre-related news. Raymond Lee has been cast as the lead in the upcoming Quantum Leap Revival series pilot. Lee plays Dr. Ben Song, who is described as being both scientist and man of faith. The new version is a sequel series to the original Quantum Leap and is set 30 years after Dr. Sam Beckett vanished in the Quantum Leap Accelerator. A new team has been assembled to restart the project in the hopes of understanding the mysteries behind the device. The original Quantum Leap aired on NBC for five seasons from 1989 to 1993 and starred Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. Creator of the original show, Donald P. Belisario will executive produce. AMC has announced a six-episode Walking Dead spin-off series starring Lauren Cohen and Jeffrey Dean Morgan as their Maggie and Negan characters. Titled Isle of the Dead, the series will be set in Manhattan and follow Negan and Maggie exploring a post-apocalyptic New York City. It is expected to debut on AMC and AMC Plus sometime in 2023. New trailers dropped this week for Obi-Wan Kenobi, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and Season 3 of The Boys. You can view the trailers on one of the FF social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. Obi-Wan Kenobi premieres May 25th on Disney+. Star Trek Strange New Worlds debuts May 5th on Paramount Plus, and The Boys returns to Amazon Prime for its third season on June 3rd. Delays were announced earlier this week for upcoming openings of DC superhero movies. Black Adam has moved from July to October 21st. DC League of Super Pets has taken the Black Adam release date of July 29th moving back from its scheduled May opening. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom has been pushed back from December to March 17th, 2023. The Flash has been moved from its planned November release to June 23rd, 2023. But good news for Shazam! Fury of the Gods as it moves up in the release schedule from summer 2023 to December 12th of this year. Whether Warner Brothers holds to these dates, or if more shuffling occurs, remains to be seen. The Batman spinoff about the Penguin starring Colin Farrell 
has officially been ordered to series at HBO Max. Lauren LaFranc will serve as writer and showrunner on the series. Matt Reeves and Dylan Clark will executive produce. Some anniversaries this week as March 6th marked 82 years since the publication of Detective Comics 38, which featured the debut of Dick Grayson as Robin the Boy Wonder. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer premiered on the WB Network 25 years ago on March 10th, 1997. Some sad news to report as Laurel Goodwin passed away on February 25th. The actress was known to genre audiences for having portrayed Yeoman J.M. Colt in the original Star Trek series pilot, The Cage. Goodwin had been the last surviving credited actor from the original pilot. She was 79. Matt Reeves, the Batman, garnered $134 million in its opening weekend. It is the second movie in the pandemic era to have a $100 million-plus opening. Including yesterday's earnings, the film's total worldwide gross stands at a little over $315 million. And it is poised to easily repeat as number one at this weekend's domestic box office. We discussed the film on last week's show, but left some stuff on the table, so we're talking about it again today. And be warned, there will be spoilers. But first, here is the official spoiler-free FF review. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Since his 1939 debut in the pages of Detective Comics number 27, Batman has seen numerous incarnations on radio and in movies and television. Many performers have portrayed the character over the decades. And the manner in which he is perceived by the audience has also changed from campy comedic figure to dark avenger. The foundation of the character is a detective. Matt Reeves embraces that conception in The Batman. It is one of several established conventions from the comic books which the director restores. The Batman picks up about two years into the character's vigilante war on Gotham City's underworld. Beyond rampant crime, corruption permeates every level of city government. The few honest police include Lieutenant James Gordon, who has allied himself with Batman in an effort to curtail the municipality's descent into lawlessness. In the midst of this struggle, a new criminal threat emerges. A villain calling himself the Riddler is striking out against dishonest public officials. Riddler leaves cryptic messages at the crime scenes which Batman must decipher in order to deduce the criminal's ongoing plot. While on the trail, Batman meets Selina Kyle, who is searching for a friend gone missing. She and Batman grudgingly work together as the trails they're following intersect. But can they uncover the Riddler's endgame while navigating the criminal underworld run by mobster Carmine Falcone and his henchman, the Penguin? And will Batman and Gordon be in time to stop whatever the Riddler has planned? Co-writers Matt Reeves and Peter Craig have crafted a taut, complex crime drama. Filled with suspense and action, I imagine this to be exactly the type of film producer Michael Uslan envisioned decades ago when he first 
promoted the notion of a serious Batman movie. Unlike more recent incarnations that have emphasized his fighting skills, the Batman returns to the character's roots as the world's greatest detective, which is a refreshing departure. Batman is the quintessential Renaissance man. He is detective, scientist, inventor, fighter with an expertise in all those areas of endeavor. Fans of the comic book source material will recognize this Batman immediately. The cast was great. Robert Pattinson turns in a stellar performance in the lead role. He plays Batman as still evolving. The audience convincingly sees him beginning to make the transformation from Avenger to Crusader. Zoe Kravitz shines as Selina Kyle. Her simmering intensity elevates this portrayal above others of the Catwoman. I said everybody is great and I mean it, but Jeffrey Wright stood out for me here. He is a consistently terrific actor and outstanding as Gordon. Paul Dano and Colin Farrell offer nuanced performances as Riddler and Penguin. Dano's blend of calculating and crazy is kind of scary. And somehow, Farrell comes through the prosthetics to connect with the audience. Andy Serkis and John Turturro are exceptional as the loyal Alfred and crime lord Carmine Falcone. The Batman is a long movie, two hours and 55 minutes long. And it's slow in parts doesn't exactly drag, and the pacing picks up as it goes along. But be prepared. This movie makes me nostalgic for the old days when longer-running movies had intermissions. The length makes me wonder what the director's cut was like. There is a palpable sense of foreboding to the movie that is accentuated by Michael Giacchino's haunting musical score. Appropriate for the character, but given the transformative elements of the movie, I would have hoped for an overall slightly more upbeat tone by the end. And I didn't feel Reeves was quite as successful in that regard. Also, there was what I felt was some ham-fisted foreshadowing of what is possibly the villain for the next movie installment that could have been left out. Despite the PG-13 rating, I wouldn't take kids. It's just too long for the younger ones. And the subject matter isn't really appropriate for them. Heck, there will be adults who can't sit through this movie. Reeves maybe tried to do a little too much, although I think it works out. It's a difficult job to make this character seem fresh, but the Batman accomplishes that, and Reeves has a chance to reinvigorate the franchise. Three stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it. The official FF review of The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, and Paul Dano, which opened in theaters last week. Now it's time to introduce today's panel. Joining me are Shireen Nicole, Julian Lytle, and Mike Lunsford. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hi. Everything's working right. Yes. Ah, th thank heavens. <laughs> it's you never, you never can tell. It's like, oh boy. So, I felt like we left some stuff on the table last week. Oh, and by the way, if you have not seen the Batman, there are surely going to be some spoilers in terms of the stuff we talk about. So just be warned. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, I felt we left some stuff on the table, uh, particularly. Uh, Julian and Shireen, the fact that after the show ended, we were still talking about <laughs> the Batman. And uh, honestly, I felt like 
the the after show kind of well. I can't even call it an after show because none of it was recorded and uh, for posterity. But I, that after discussion, I thought was kind of better than the show because of some of the stuff that we got into, and I had really felt that it was appropriate to revisit this. Not the least of which because this is a really really long movie, and uh, you know you can basically cover a lot of ground when it comes to all of this. So uh, I, I just I just wanted to keep talking about it. And because it's fun, and I just like Batman, and who doesn't like Batman? In fact, I, I saw a meme recently. It was a little, little boy, and uh, it was, uh, I think it was something along the lines of, always be yourself, unless you can be Batman, in which case, be Batman, you know? I don't know that that's a good aspiration in life. <laughs> he seems tortured even on his best, you know, like some of the best portrayals of him, he still seems to be carrying a lot of weight. I um, I would not want to be Batman. I would want to help him, but mm, um, yeah. he, it, it's a hard knock life for the Bat. I always want to help him, man. That means I'm in a world with a lot of crazy stuff going on. That's not the move. Yeah, well, I didn't this ain't safe, I, but you not know they ain't safe there, you know. Well, I mean, I, I mean, Dudes, they might from pull the up on you. Perspective of somebody like Wonder Woman. I don't want to like, I don't want to be like Girl Friday trying to help Batman. Well, I mean, just there. Period. You know how many times we they rewrite reality there? Man, I might not even be there next week. Literally. <laughs> you will if you're Wonder Woman. Maybe. Probably. Remember, Most it might not be the same Wonder Woman. Remember, Silver Age Wonder Woman returned back to clay. Yeah, but you wouldn't know, so you wouldn't mind. Nah, that Being sucks. a that's nice piece worse. of pottery. Beautiful <laughs> piece she, of pottery. She nice got turned to on. nothing. That was so <laughs> sad. Well, I did, uh, and I had made a couple of notes in terms of stuff that I was thinking about that uh, we could expand on in terms of the discussion. And uh, one of these things, and it's, <laughs> I just think it's a very amusing place to start, but uh, Richard Kind... And if you don't know who Richard Kind is, look up Richard Kind, because I don't understand really why they put all that prosthetic makeup on Colin Farrell when they could have just hired Richard uh, yeah, Richard Kind to do this, who looks exactly like the way Colin Farrell could, looks. Could he act like yeah. Robert De Niro in The Untouchables? Mm-hmm. Could he? I don't believe so. <laughs> You could have just gotten Robert De Niro. Rob, Bobby De Niro too old. We saw the Irishman. Stop playing. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, De Niro. <laughs> De Niro at this point has kind of phoned in pretty much every performance for the last, like, 15 years. But... I will not participate in this ageist conversation. <laughs> he can be old, Penguin. I'm not saying he hasn't earned it. I'm just saying, like, what was the last time he really put any effort into it? He just shows up for the paychecks. The Irishman, he, he was acting. I'm just saying he a little bit. Nah, he... He is playing. He's good at playing old old gangsters. The penguin ain't old old gangster yet. You know, let's let 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 care let Colin Farrell eat. <laughs> I would have let I, Richard I Kind at least Farrell audition. Hungry. He's not like nah, he, he's in not, terms of that work. You know what I'm saying? Out there trying to get stop. triple doubles in these acting performances. Listen, the makeup is outstanding. That makeup artist really should win an Academy Award for what they yeah. did. There, I had no idea that was him until. 
Like when I saw like the original <laughs> shots, and then somebody was like, uh, "Yeah, Colin Farrell." I was like, "Who's Colin Farrell playing?" They're like, "The Penguin." I'm like, "No, stop it!" You thought it was Richard Kind, didn't you? <laughs> no, I knew it was Richard Kind, but the, but they do look very much alike. But Julian had to tell me that it was Colin Farrell. I thought it was an actor I hadn't seen before. Mm, um, mm-hmm. But beyond the fact that you he's you know you can't recognize him is the fact that they did this thing with the scarring that almost gives him a beak when you're looking at yeah. him face on, yeah. which I thought was very clever. Totally, yeah. Great mm-hmm. touch there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're listening to fantastic forum on W E R a 96.7 FM and streaming via W E R a dot FM radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E Campbell. I'm joined today by Shereen Nicole, Julian Lytle, and Mike Lunsford. We're talking a little bit about the Batman. I know we talked about it last week, but I felt that there was still plenty that we could discuss. That's why I wanted to revisit it. Corruption in Gotham City. What And uh, what is it? Uh, it reminds me of um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne in that Superman Batman movie. In other news, water is wet. wet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's like a day that ends in Y. That's just... <laughs> Yeah, but the key is they really did something with this in this movie versus some of the other films that we've seen. I mean, you know, they they have alluded to or there might be, oh, yeah, there's some corruption in the police department or some kind of thing. But, I mean, they just flat out went there in this movie. I mean, the whole freaking town, the DA's office, the mayor's office, the police department. I mean, the charities. I, this whole place stinks to high heaven. Just like the way it started when you read old Golden Age Batman. He out there just mm-hmm. fighting rich people and crooked cops and politicians. People <laughs> forget that part of Batman because they don't read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Additionally, yeah. too, it, it had become a thing where nobody fought it anymore. They were just like, it's just a thing. This is the way Gotham City is. It had a very, like, that 70s drama vibe to it, like Chinatown, where it was like, at the end of Chinatown, what's the, what's the line? Forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. <laughs> like, just give up. This is the way things are. Corruption is corruption. There ain't nothing we can do about it. And, like, Except Batman's gonna do something about it, and it's mm-hmm. he's gonna beat beat the brakes off anybody he can see. Man, like that scene when he walks onto that into that train station. First off, he's not like Bale Batman, where he's like ninja and like coming out of the shadows and super quiet. He's in the shadows, but he is methodical. Like you heard his footsteps; they knew he was coming. He was like, "No, no, no, no. you can know it's okay." And like, well, he gives that speech about the power oh. of fear. Yeah, ab- just absolutely. He dripped like, sauce. Yeah. He dripped yeah. sauce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they used that like that same motive a couple of times. Like at, at, uh, when he was in the um, at the funeral, and he shows up. Same thing. Slow, methodical. Like you can hear his bootsteps. I'm like, oh man, this is. I like this. This is. This is a diff. This is a departure. But honestly, this is kind of the way I envisioned him originally. Like again, detective. Like he, he knows these things and this is the first time we've really gotten to see that detective aspect on the big screen other than like i don't know what 20 minutes in the tim burton version when he figured out the joker's uh, chemical compounds that were he was putting in the uh, pharmaceuticals <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah batman has been missing from batman movies for a really long time um and i think it's because a lot of the filmmakers well i always call 
call it the ego proposition, but beyond the egos and them wanting to kind of put their own, what I call stank on Batman, hmm. I don't think they understood him. And, yep. and characters like Batman are difficult to understand because of the nuances. And um, Matt Reeves and his co-writer have actually read Batman comics, but not only have they read them, but they got into the psychology of them, what Batman needs. I think that most people portray a very flat Batman or Christopher Nolan portrays a very kind of specific Bruce Wayne. Um, this was the first Batman movie live action that I've seen where I thought I recognized the character. Like you said, the world's greatest detective was very much present from the first few scenes. But also this idea that Batman is evolving and that mm -hmm. he didn't, didn't really start out as a hero. He did start out as a vigilante, but he evolves into something greater. And, that's, and this movie got that. Yeah, no, and that's really important, Shireen, uh, and I'm glad you pointed that out because the, the complexity uh, not only of the character, but the fact that you're seeing the evolution of the character and uh, full disclosure, I, I did a uh, I did a podcast uh, with Mike actually earlier. Uh, it was at the diner, uh, you know, for the Great Geek sure. Refuge, uh, GreatGeekRefuge.com. Shameless plug for that. But uh, we were talking about Batman earlier, and there was some stuff that came out of that that I thought was really significant, just in terms of the proto Batman, for example, and this evolution that we were talking about. And uh, you know, because I I had noticed just and the fact that Matt Reeves has read some Batman comic books and the fact that the character in the comic book started out really dark. But, okay, I am Vengeance. And he, he delivers that line early, but then later in the picture, when uh, the Riddler's uh, Quislings, uh, you know, these people that he has, um, you know, <laughs> conspired with, to shoot up uh, all the folks in uh, Gotham Square Garden come out and one of these guys says I am vengeance and the look on Batman's face where it's like oh crap is this what I'm inspiring yep mm -hmm. that was a beautifully done moment. that was to me the shift of what this film was about compared to the a lot of the previous ones outside of Master of the Phantasm and Sub-Zero and stuff like that yeah. But, yeah I was like okay this is your different take like oh I am vengeance that ain't the move, champ. <laughs> you see what that does? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the other the other part of that, and um, James Rambo had pointed this out, and I thought this was really interesting because, uh, I mean, admittedly, I, I, didn't Rambo say he had seen it twice, Mike? Uh, he has, indeed. There Ooh. you go. And I'm going to chalk it up to, oh, he's seen it twice, and I've only seen it once. But the scene where, uh, well, at, well, okay, because you see that carpet tool twice yes and initially you know it's like oh murder weapon or whatever you know and then later the fact that you know there's that uh, rank and file cop who's like yeah that's a carpet tool you know and yeah batman doesn't know what that is he's his rich guy what does he know about like installing carpet he knows a lot but he didn't know that and then he's like oh wait this is important <laughs> and he figures out what the deal is he with puts it. it together it's like oh yeah, yeah. he does yeah oh, that's because because oh sorry go ahead Trine. Oh, I was just going to say because he is Batman becoming, you know, mm -hmm. he's in the middle of he's not the world's greatest detective. He's becoming 
that person. Mm-hmm. He's not the hero of Gotham. He's on his way to that. And and so that's why he makes so many mistakes. He and Gordon, like people are like, he and Commissioner, um, not Commissioner, but Lieutenant Gordon makes so many mistakes. And I was like, yeah, they're young. They're trying to, they, they are not these guys of legend yet. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is where we see that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so Mike, what were you getting ready to say? I was going to say additionally, too, like to, to kind of add to the point where we were talking about, like when we were talking about that carpet tool, like the Riddler knew that he could use that as a murder weapon and nobody would see anything more than that because nobody knew what it was. Because who was he fighting? White privilege. He was fighting rich, white jerks who would never know what that is because they've never worked a day in their life. And like that's why it was so well hidden. And I think that like like Shrina just said, you know, he's Batman's becoming this great detective and he's starting to learn that he's going to have to think outside of the limited area that he knows, the limited expertise that he has. And like the fact that some of the biggest criticism of this movie has come from people saying things like where was Playboy Bruce Wayne shows how little people actually know about this character. Like Playboy Bruce Wayne didn't just show up day one. Like that was something, again, he's learning how to be this character. He said in the movie, he's been doing the Batman thing for two years. And like to think that you're just going to get this fully fleshed out, perfect Batman, that it's all headcanon. Like, and I don't know why people think that this is the character that you should be seeing all the time. And Movies yeah, have ahead. told them that, right? Well, yeah. e- well, e- well, even with that, remember, you got to think about we spent a lot more time with in the middle Batman than we ever do with the beginning. Every yeah. once in a while, after Frank Miller was like, yo, I should, I want to redo the origin after Christ on Infinite Earth. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, yeah, because they had to do it for all the main the main three. And, you know, every once in a while, I say, yo, that story was really good. Let's deal back into that. Then you get Long Halloween. Then you get The Man Who Lasts by Brubaker. Then you get Zero Year by Snyder a little bit later. Mm. Every once in a while, you get Master of the Fantasm that deals with it, too. That becomes a thing. So it's like, But for the most part, when you see a Batman story, period, you go pick up an issue off the rack. This in the middle Batman. He already know what That's he's doing. True. He didn't already raise two Robins. He didn't already <laughs> hung out with Superman. He didn't... He didn't already have some entanglements, you know, like, so I guess, you know, to get people, especially people who don't read comics at all, cartoons never start with the beginning, really. They, you, you're going to get people like, oh, I expect him to be like this, because that's, that's mostly what they saw. Even the 66 show, he's not at the beginning. That's true. He's fully, he Batman, Batman. Mm-hmm. I had just started rewatching, I just started rewatching uh, the animated series on HBO Max, and yeah, he's already Batman at that point. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Robin well in college, Batman, but he's the yeah, exactly. right Batman on the animated series. Yeah, he's in college. You know, yeah, everything. He's the the balanced hero, not this kind of miserable dude that the movies so often give us. Yeah, I was um, I was saying that he's my benchmark for all Batman. Like that's that's yeah. Oh, the the animated uh, yeah. series Batman, I think, at least in my humble opinion, is the closest portrayal of that character to what I have seen depicted in the comic books of all the different representations. See, to me, I think it's actually better than the comic books. Because what they do is they take everything... Because a lot of the things that everyone is saying happens in the comic books. Mm -hmm. But they had to come together and make like... like They actually truly had to make, oh, this is a core 
character. That's yeah. So once combining you, these once elements. you get out of that, it gets all. It becomes an octopus of interpretations again. Murky. <laughs> right. I mean, and I think I would add the Justice League animated series, both of them, to that mix as well. That Batman. That's I. I can't. I can say, say that all one the, Batman. If it's the yeah, to me mm. yeah, but we mm. didn't mention it, so I wanted to add that in. But for me, I don't know if it's you know the closest, but I know that it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's the one that speaks to me the most because it's the one that seems to understand everything that I've been reading for all these years, and and it put it forth in a way that made sense to me as a hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only thing that I would point out about the Justice League, uh, and uh, to a, a, a considerably lesser degree, the animated series, because that was his show, um, seeing Batman working with others, uh, and particularly, because it's one thing to see him working with these other people in the Bat family, Robin, Batgirl, uh, Gordon. Pe- people he trusts. Yeah. But, well, I mean, not that he doesn't trust the Justice League. He does but, it. Well, yeah, that's true. He, he had he the contingency plans. Them, I was going to say, there's a whole grows to a trust. file that he has. Yeah, he grows right. trust. But. but that's just his nature, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I do agree with what you're saying, Ulysses, because we barely got to touch on the first version of this show or the first round of this show about how well Matt Reeves and writing partner understood the friendships that are necessary to being Batman and, and also to being a true superhero, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to ask you what, if this is correct about what you were saying, but there were, he was working together not only because he was being cooperative, but because he had real relationships with those people. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, the, but the point that I was making about uh, him and the Justice League is that depending on who he's working with he operates a little bit differently and I think part of that is it comes back to what Julian was saying about how much he trusts the people and again not that he doesn't trust Wonder Woman and uh, Martian Manhunter and the Flash and what have you but um, you know he knows he knows Alfred he knows Robin I mean you know he he trusts these people implicitly Um, and it's his own it's, he's the lead character, you know. I mean, he's he's sort of one of a chorus. You put him in the Justice League story. I mean, and I love those stories too. I mean, I think they're all excellent representations of the characters they're supposed to be. You know, particularly since we've seen Superman the animated series and Batman the animated series, and both those characters carried over, uh, you know, to Justice League, and there was some consistency with them. But uh, but I think it's important. Um, and uh, we're going to have to take a break in a couple of seconds, but I think it's important in terms of how somebody is introduced to the character, and I think that has something to do with what we're talking about here. And uh, there was an interesting conversation that I had with my daughter earlier today um, where I realized, I taught you well, but you don't know everything I know about these characters. And so whatever your point of entry to them is... Is becomes relevant in terms of how you see them and uh, and how you perceive them. So, anyway, 
Um, that musical cue, of course, means that it's time for us to take a short break. Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community media station, and that means we're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and listeners like you to be able to continue operating the station. Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of this wonderful institution that is community media today. So, we're nowhere near done. I mean, we're, I mean, literally, I feel like we're scratching the surface on all this stuff. But stick around because we'll be right back after these messages. And we're back here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Mike Lunsford, Julian Lytle, and Shireen Nicole. And when we took the break, I was just explaining a little bit about uh, my impressions of how uh, your introduction to the character of Batman makes such a huge difference in terms of how you perceive the character. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, because of its popularity, the 1966 Batman television series with Adam West and Burt Ward informed people's ideas about that character for a long, long time, to the point where in the late 70s and early 80s when people started talking about making a Batman movie what they automatically went to was oh let's make it a comedy kind of thing uh, a la the 1966 Batman which would have been in my estimation disastrous but fortunately Michael Uslan was devoted and continued promoting the idea of a serious Batman movie, and ultimately that got made. But the point of entry really does make a difference. And um, I'm, I'm part of the reason that people misperceive this character uh, is largely because of the popularity of the Chris Nolan movies. And you know they were so popular, they made so much money, and not just the viewers but Warner Brothers <laughs> themselves you know because uh, Chris Nolan made a bunch of money and they're like we want you in charge of the whole DC extended universe and that just wasn't a very good I don't idea. think again I think that's what certain people just like to say he did ha- he just he was getting his rightfully contracted credit and, pro- and uh money participation like he was old but I, I don't think he had, I think that was all Snyder I still think that was all Snyder. Mm. And his love of 90s DC comic books. Hmm. With Batman getting his back broken and Superman dying. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't necessarily explain the Dark Knight. Which, and I shouldn't say inexplicably, but I will say inexplicably, uh, has become many people's favorite superhero movie of all time. 
And no, it's inexplicable. <laughs> no, I, it thank you. Is it's very but inexplicable. But I do think that the, I think the influence of what Nolan did, it definitely becomes the lead into them wanting a gritty DC universe, and then Snyder kind of taking it to his kind of nihilist hero, um, kind of kind of take on it. Mm-hmm. I blame Frank Miller, but that's just me. Well, there's I, some of that too, you know. I mean, when I mean, when you can only that blame becomes his love of Frank Miller. I mean, it's not like Frank Miller went to his house and said, "This is the movie you're gonna make." Well, well but, uh, he but changed that, the character. We don't that. know. He could have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is within Miller's wheelhouse. But <laughs> that's not, I mean, like, if anything sounds like something Frank Miller would do, that's that's what it is. Come well, to your but, house. but that version, <laughs> yeah, but that version, of the it's in the his, Dark Knight yeah. Returns. That's that his version, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but but what I was going to say is that version from that comic became so again so popular. The default version of the character. Yeah, I mean, for which who? for the people who make it. Sorry, when I read Mike W. Bar Batman and killing Jason Todd in the quote unquote Dark Age, as DC calls it within their giant, humongous Tashin comic. It is spurred by two people, Frank Miller and Alan Moore. Everybody else's Batman falls after that point. He changed it. When you read interviews, when you see what they talk in, in panels, and then that influences the other people who makes the movies yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Not the cartoon people, because they get to do what they want, and they like a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and they like a little bit of this, and they do what they want. That's the well, only other impactful stuff. They knew I, better, but yeah. the reason I wasn't arguing with you about Miller, the point that I was making was it's not Miller who did it, it's Snyder's love of Miller. That that and and the mixture of that and and also what Nolan was doing that was so, such a big money maker for them in my estimation. Mhm. Well, I think we're all saying the same thing uh, or at least something similar but in a in a slightly different way. And it, it goes back to, well, in some, to some degree, the age of these characters. And, and when I shared with my daughter that this past week was the 82nd anniversary of the publication of Detective Comics mm. number 38 with the debut of uh, Dick Grayson as Robin the Boy Wonder, I mean, her eyes kind of got big and she's like, wow, daddy, that's really something, you know. Uh, but the, the, the thing is, these characters have been around for so long. And they have, over that time, so many people have contributed to the, to the legend. And the consumer base has changed dramatically. I mean, the people who were reading the comics in 1940, there ain't a whole lot of them left, you know? But I isn't mean, that why it's so weird that the character has been so stuck in one mode in the movies? See, no. your po everything you're saying for me makes it weird that he's been so stuck. In the films, how do you? Okay, I don't. I don't know. This is like for me. I don't. I never saw the Nolan stuff as that different from the comics, especially the comics at the time. So, uh, oh yeah. yeah, we disagree there deeply. Like especially reading that time, month to month, two thousand eight, it was kind of getting bucked out because Morrison was doing some crazy stuff. But before that, no. Nah, I don't know if if it felt very in tone, just like this film feels very in tone with certain aspects of 
Batman runs. That many people. See, we, we've talked about that because you and I have two very different takes on it. Like you talk about how it reflects the comics, and I talk about how it reflects what I call the Omni character, and we're never going to agree on that because we talked about it so often. Yeah, yeah. That there's just there's no agreeing on that because I I think you're right. Some of these have reflected runs in the comic book, but for me. I don't care if it reflects runs in the comic book. I care about the essence of the character. And I also personally care about does it work for me? And does it work as a hero to some degree or on its way to a hero or on its way from a hero? And and what is that arc happening? So for me, Nolan's movie had no Batman in him. You know, and y- y'all know I've been saying that for 20 years, so I'm not going to stop now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're devoid of any Batman to... In, in my estimation mm. and I think that Nolan's Batman because of his popularity and then like you said that combination with with I mean we can see it in the costume for Snyder's Batman he's he's in love with Frank Miller that to me was all stuck and for me it's just all been stuck since then and for me it's just different shades of that same arrested development guy well uh, okay let me just say and I, I may not have a clear enough picture of what you have described as Omni-Batman, although I do. But I would say that even in some of the comic books that are written, uh, the character that is appearing now features elements of that Omni-Batman, you know, by virtue of the fact that some of these people who are writing and drawing the character have been influenced by so many of the different creators that have come along before, but um, I want to I, I, I want to say something else though about this about this movie. And one of the things that I've heard said recently is, well, people have been musing about the potential connection between the Batman and um, that awful Joker movie that came out a couple of years ago and whether oh, you or not mean the way Matt Reeves gave it the middle finger <laughs> well uh, it whether or not they it, it, what I've heard muse not that but that's interesting and I'm gonna want to hear more about that but um, it, whether or not these two films exist in the same universe now no. my well okay I, and I think you're probably right about that but my they, knee they jerk can't be. they literally can't be okay yeah, based well, on that, that what like next to last, like second to last scene in the movie. Timeline based, wise, too. Hmm. Yeah, like he was a kid in like two thousand two. Yeah, because he's only hmm. what twenty. It's like 20, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it, like the Joker movie literally happens in like eighty three. That's true. I mean, this because the and well, and the fact that you've got basically somebody who is the Joker who isn't that guy. Yeah, yeah. In the and movie, Thomas, and yeah. Thomas mm-hmm. Wayne, and, and you know, yeah, like. The Thomas Waynes are different, like their ages are different. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was actually what I was going to point to because uh, if somehow somebody wanted to, you know, was it was like, you know, and you know, make them in the same universe, I I could accept that because that would rewrite this notion of who Thomas Wayne was, and because I found that was one of the elements one of the many elements that I found extremely troubling uh, in that movie. And I thought it was interesting how Matt Reeves sort of, he, he, he suggested that Thomas Wayne wasn't a good guy, but then they cleared that up. 
and it was like, oh no, he was a good guy. And wait a minute, who told you your daddy wasn't a good guy? Well, Carmine yeah. Falcone. Wait, 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 I would say he he made a terrible mistake. That yes, yes. he may be he's he had good intentions, but he was foolish enough to call in a favor with a gangster. a gangster. That's true. Because yeah. Yeah. Avon Barstow said the best, I'm just a gangster, I suppose. That's it. Yeah, that was his big mm. mistake, and he was doing it to try to save his wife. So it, yeah. what you 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 really got to look at Matt Reeves in this instance as an Olivia Pope type figure. What he is trying to do is fix this mess, and that's why the movie is so long because he does this brilliant move where he takes what we we've had in the films, which what I call Arrested Development Batman. And he takes that guy. He doesn't throw him out. He takes that guy, but he just takes him back to a time where him still being that guy made sense. And then once he does that and he's younger, he takes it forward. Mm. And he gives the middle finger to the Joker movie. He's like, these guys aren't folk heroes. They're not good guys. They're not looking out for anyone. They're, you know, they're, they're proud boys. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're terrorists. You know, and this is who they are. Yeah. And it was so sneaky. And I haven't seen a sneak move that clean since Shonda Rhimes slit Lena Dunham's throat and let her bleed out on Scandal. Brilliant. <laughs> just gorgeous. Hey, wait, hold, hold that thought just a second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shireen Nicole and Mike Lunsford and Julian Lytle. We've been talking about Matt Reeves, the Batman, the latest, greatest movie from DC Comics that is taking the world by storm. So, Shireen, um, can continue what you were saying there. Oh, I was done. That, that, was, that was me. I, um, I wanted to tip in that, because I wasn't on last week's episode, unfortunately, so I don't know if you guys had talked about this, but... There's, there, when it comes to the way that the actors and actresses portrayed their parts in this, I, I love that Robert Pattinson is the lead. But <laughs> for the most part, everybody else outshines him. And it's not, it, this has nothing to do with Pattinson. I thought Pattinson did a fantastic job. But Paul Dano, Zoe Kravitz, those two just right off the jump were absolutely incredible. And, like, Paul Dano made a character that I've often, like, yes, I know there have been comic books where the Riddler is actually, like, formidable. But, like, for the most part, the Riddler's always just been kind of one of those villains where I've just been like, he's the Riddler, whatever. Like, <laughs> take your bowler hat and your cane and get out of here. Like, ooh, he's going to send me a card. Like, but <laughs> this, is, this is the first time that the Riddler was frightening. And, like, it was, it was unsettling. And, like, with him, with that mask, first off, that was totally freaky. But then additionally, that scene when he's in the prison and Batman goes to see him. And he's like, yeah, we're BFFs, right? Like, I did all of this for you. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's a stalker. And, like, <laughs> it, it was, if you've ever watched any serial killer documentaries, Paul Dano just just oozed that. He, he sounded and looked and acted like a serial killer. And he was unsettling. Like, the guy was incredible. I was reading something that, like, those scenes where he was basically, like, um, live streaming, that he did 200 takes to get those correct. Like hmm. he, and, and most of the time it was him. He was like, no, 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 I don't like the way that this came out. This, this wasn't right. I want it to come out right. That's, that's incredible. Like, that's an insane amount of commitment this guy had to making sure that this was perfect. 
But Zoe Kravitz, like, also stole the show. And, like, that's nothing against Pattinson. I thought he was fantastic, but she was just outstanding. Like, it was – this is the first time I've really seen a Catwoman portrayal in a live action where I was like, yep, there she is. Just took her right out of the comic books, threw her on the live screen. Like, Zoe Kravitz nailed that role. And, like, Rambo was pointing out a lot of really, really other good uh, things. We're just shouting him out like crazy today. <laughs> um, the fact that most likely Carvine Falcone is a serial murderer and that he has killed many women the exact same way he tried to kill Zoe Kravitz. And if you look carefully, there are scratch marks and scars already on his face because it's probably happened to him before when he has strangled a woman to death. And that was, yeah. He strangled her friend. Yeah, and And, her mother. Yes, and and we see other women uh, beat up along the way as well. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was was very – yeah just artfully done just matt reeves just did an outstanding job with this and like this is something that we've discussed a lot on um at the diner that horror directors make really really good superhero movie directors because Hmm. oftentimes you'll get superhero movie directors who are like oh yeah but this is kind of goofy so we're gonna like make some sort of justification for it and eh, you know like eh, look he's um, perfect example is Brian Singer with X-Men. Oh, well, what did you expect? Yellow spandex? Like, come on, dude. Like, lean into this thing that you're doing. And horror directors do that. They, they unflinchingly are like, this is the thing. This is real. This is happening. Same thing with sci-fi directors. Um, that's why Matt Reeves is, uh, did such a good job with this. That's why James Gunn has done such a good job with superhero stuff. Like, they just, they are completely committed to this world that they're existing in. Hmm. Yeah, we've only got a couple of minutes left, uh, and I I wanted to uh, expand a little bit on uh, something that has been said here in terms of this Riddler character. And I understand that there was a scene that was cut that's you know going to be in this four-hour-long director's cut eventually, whenever they uh, release it. Apparently, but Matt Reeves said because the bit with the Joker at the end almost didn't make it in the movie. Apparently. The uh, the focus testing for the film, audiences liked it better with that scene in. But evidently, there had been a scene, a uh, much longer scene with that guy around the middle of the film because Batman apparently is having trouble profiling the Riddler. So he goes to see the Joker. And uh, the jo- it's like apparently it's a real long scene, but what the Joker essentially tells him is, what are you asking me for? You guys are alike. You, know, you should know this. Yeah. The silence yeah. of the lambs moment. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I, I like mm-hmm. as a uses of the Joker because as everybody was like, "Oh no, they showed the Joker." That means he's gonna be the second. He's gonna be the next one. It's like, nah, that's letting you know he dealt with that already. Yeah, we dealing with well, everybody else. Well, Matt Reeves has said that the Joker isn't gonna be the. Yeah, yeah he's not gonna be. I mean, that was not exactly a throwaway, but the main reason he had had him was he wanted to do that profiling thing. Yeah, and you know? the, and the la- and. The, and he stated before he made this movie, like when it's early in this movie, like he wanted to do the Riddler. Guess what we got? We got a it's movie a, with the it's Riddler. Better. Yeah, we did not want to see the Joker again. Mr. Freeze. Don't want to see Mr. the Joker Freeze. for a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, but I want Mr. Freeze so bad. Freeze I, would be nice. The yeah. corporate oh, institution? Like, dealing yeah, with that? Exactly. With, yeah, with the social commentary that Reeves did in his first one, think about Mr. Freeze. You take that character, his devotion to Nora, and I don't know, what do we have in the world that's going on like that? Oh, yeah, our awful healthcare system like and corruption. You tie those things together, man. Whew, man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would 
pay for that now. Yeah. And it hasn't even been written. It probably has. Give me in a room. <laughs> Give me in a room. <laughs> that could really be something. But, um, yeah, it, it, Riddler's disappointment when uh, Batman goes to him and he's like, you know, we were supposed to be safe here and watch the whole thing. It's like, oh, crap. You no, know? He's like, no, you're terrible. Great. Get out of me. You're killing people. You suck. He's like, no, no, no. I want to I point out, though, in that scene, though, it was so uh, here. Here's something I can give Pattinson some major credit for, because not, he's in that character of Batman. He's Batman at that moment. Right. But the Riddler is calling out Bruce Wayne. And if Batman doesn't stay cool, he's going to blow his cover. He's mm-hmm. going to blow because he keeps saying Bruce Wayne. And you're like, oh, does he know? Yep. Does he yeah. know that they're the yeah. same person? Mm-hmm. And you're just I'm, I'm like watching. I'm like, he, did he figure it out? Because Riddler's figured this out before. Like, we've had this conversation, like, you know, like long Halloween. Hello. Like, and I'm sitting there watching this. and I'm like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And he doesn't flinch at all. Oh, he and you flinches. Know, you he know. starts sweating almost, but he just he waits. You know? Well, it's, it's that's that's one of those things where it, what what was amazing about this is like he manages to very subtly show like nothing but everything. Like, is he panicking? Yes, but he's not showing it externally. He's screaming on the inside. But like, yeah, it's like, how did like, you yeah. find out? <laughs> yeah, no, he's just like, all right, be cool, Batman, be cool, don't say nothing, be cool. Yeah, oh, no, he doesn't know. All right, cool. <laughs> I, I think Robert Pattinson is a lot better actor than most give him credit for, you know, because I think okay. a lot of people get tumbled up in Twilight and don't realize this guy has a whole career beyond that. And that even in that, he mm. played Ed- Edward Cullen extraordinarily well. But back to your point about Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman, it is... You know, for me, one of my favorite is um, the Brew Baker and Cook Catwoman. And um, this was that one. It was a lot of that one as others as well. You know, she did a really great cocktail Catwoman. But I just love seeing that. And one of my favorite moments, again, to the social commentaries, when she said, you must have grown up rich if you think that way. Yeah. Oh, because that's who he is at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And- Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, because uh, we're out of time for this episode, I'd like to thank our panelists and you too for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. You can check your local listings to find out when it airs in your area or simply visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. We've got full episodes of the television show. We've got segments broken out if you want to look at the interviews or check out the toy and game profiles or the special features or the discussions. And Fantastic Forum also airs as a podcast. Thanks to our friends at the Great Geek Refuge. Uh, You can find it on all the platforms where your favorite podcasts are available. And, of course, the show airs right here on WERA 96.7 FM every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 4 in addition to our regular uh, run here first run show on Saturday afternoon so uh, have a wonderful weekend stay safe stay warm and uh, come back again same bat time same bat station 